Hi, everyone. Welcome back to I've Been Thinking with your host, Brianna. That's me. You know, over the last several weeks, we've been having so many amazing conversations with Black and Brown artists and creatives who have really been sharing um, their experience um, being a person of color in the creative and artistic space, but also really how they're perceiving and contextualizing this moment that we find ourselves in. But if I'm being honest, because I am someone who lives in both the artistic space and the business space, there is a part of this conversation that I feel a void in, and I definitely want to fill in the gaps of that, because I do believe that there is a nuanced experience to being a Black and Brown person navigating the business world. Um, And so I reached out to my network, and I have an amazing person who I think is going to help us think through sort of maybe this moment that we find ourselves in. And it's going to be the start of a series of conversations that we're going to have about this. I'd like to welcome Kaylin Clemens to the platform. She really works in the intersection between marketing and business development. She is someone that I know from our, you know, cursory conversations has a passion about amplifying this particular topic. And so I'm so happy to have her here on the platform. Kaylin, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your podcast. This is an incredible honor, and I'm just so thankful and grateful to be with you. I am so happy to have this conversation with you because I think you are someone who is already in the midst of doing this work. So I think that it's a really great first place to start. Before we start chatting, tell people a little bit about who you are and sort of what you do and your experience and all of that. Absolutely. So I, as as already stated, I've worked in the marketing, um, business development, and partnerships development space for the last decade plus here in New York City. I'm a transplant originally from the San Francisco Bay Area in California, um, but really I've worked with a myriad of, indus- of industries um, across education, technology, media, beauty, um, in working with companies of big and small, so Fortune 500 companies, as well as startups and nonprofits. So my experience really runs a gamut. But one thing that I've, I've that I've really leaned into um, in, re- in recent time is really looking at uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity within the workplace, and really challenge myself to think through my own experience and also reach out to other. Um, black and brown professionals to understand what their experience is and try to contextualize some of that information. You know, I think one of the things that you and I were chatting about just before we went live is this idea of there's so much information that's available to us. And I think that information is salient and important, but I do think that there is, um, as I mentioned before, a nuanced Um, portion of this narrative that I think is missing from people who have the lived experience of what it means to be Black and Brown navigating the business world. Um, Because I think in particular, there is a a specific challenge of how um, how you navigate your business aspirations with trying to be authentic to your Black and Brown identity. And I'm curious, from your perspective, how has how has that journey been for you in particular? For me in particular, it's been quite challenging. Um, I started out my corporate experience working in media at NBC Universal, 
I was with that company for about eight years um, before re moving into other sectors of business. And during that time, as I, I was starting out, I started in the early careers program. I was a part of the NBC page program, which is considered to be um, very coveted in the media space. It's It's been equated by the New York Times as harder than getting into Harvard. Um, that was their own quote. Um, but coming into that experience and having that specific exposure and being a black woman um, added a layer of, of challenges that I didn't expect um, coming into that, into that work environment, um, being called on and asked to do things that I didn't know that some of my other counterparts were having to do that happened to be white um, and not really knowing what to do with, with, with those questions um, and those um, junctures within my career and, and how to really advocate for myself. And during the times when I did um, attempt to advocate for myself, being met with, with fierce retaliation in terms of corporate retaliation from other um, entities within within the company. So it, for me, it was challenging. It's It's been challenging navigating that space, um, being able to um, be in touch with my voice, um, with mm -hmm. my truth and being able to express it in a way that allows me to still have the liberty to move through that system. Um, 100%. I, I, it's such an interesting thing about the truth of an experience, because I think one of the things that I'm finding more and more with these conversations is that there is such a recognition of the truth of your experience, even though I haven't lived it, mm -hmm. because we all, if you are a black or brown person, there is something about what you said that you're like, yep, I know that. I've experienced that. That feels familiar to me. And I think one of the things that I have found in my own career that's been really difficult is that there is um, an inherent barrier that you have to cross in order to become accepted into a corporate culture. And it's very hard to navigate that because the system will tell you that it has nothing to do with your race, mm -hmm. right? Like they'll say that it has nothing to do with you being black. It has nothing to do with that. They'll have a whole list of reasons why it's something else. But this is, and this is the thing that I have found most frustrating and I'd be interested to hear your thought. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating because the most authentic, true part of yourself knows when something is about race. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's really hard to articulate that because most people don't have a point of reference for it. If you're not black or brown, the system would never admit that that's what it's about. So you find yourself in this very defensive stance of like, I know what this is about and mm -hmm. I don't have the language or the tools to really advocate for myself or fight against the system because no one is going to believe that what I'm experiencing is actually real. Is that something that that makes sense to you? Absolutely. I can absolutely identify with what you're saying. I've had many experiences uh, working specifically in corporate environments where I've had to go through those difficult, have those difficult moments, um, mm -hmm. have moments where I'm, you know, having a conversation with another um another professional on the other side of, of the business and we're talking about something that is a contentious topic and you know I'm being I'm not smiling 
I'm not acquiescing. I'm not um, being my softest version of myself. And so I'm considered somebody who's being threatening. I'm considered being somebody who's um, being difficult to work with or has an attitude. Um, All of these inflammatory, accusatory kinds of of, um, words come, come about. And so I've definitely experienced, experienced that. And it's been difficult because I haven't had, I've had some other, some leaders that happen to be black leaders and I've had, you know, other leaders that have been white, but in both situations, it wasn't, um, there wasn't the support that I needed to be able to speak, you know? Yeah. And, and that support piece is so key because there is, um, no matter where you come to your experience, support is necessary in order to thrive and survive any sort of system. And I think especially when you're talking about a corporate environment, mentorship is so important. Mm -hmm. Having a community is so important because not only are you trying to do your job with excellence, but you're also trying to grow your career. And that necessitates Mm -hmm. that you have gatekeepers and people who will advocate for you and, and mentor you. And that's really difficult to do when you check a box that is outside of the norm, right? And I think other populations experience this as well. You and I were talking earlier that if you want to get even more nuanced, not just being black or brown, but being a black or brown woman in and of itself has some very specific challenges because in order for me you know, what I'll, I'll use this as an example. I remember being in a very specific situation and I was the only black person in the room, but I was one of two women in the room Mm -hmm. and the rest were white men. And I remember that myself and the other woman were saying the same things. We were in agreement. Um, We were both had virtually the same affect and yet I was met with such resistance Mm -hmm. and it was much more palatable coming from her than it was from me. And I remember saying the only difference, (laughs) the only difference was the messenger, right? Like it wasn't the message itself. And yet you don't know that you have the support to have someone help you navigate that kind of situation. How are you finding that, that balance of, creating community and support within corporate America for black and brown people? I think one area that, that's really had a vested interest in, in, in helping to, to provide that support has been um, the affinity groups and the diversity inclusion kinds of networks that um, individuals um, of color, black, brown people have created um, mm-hmm. to create these networks of support. But I think that even with that, I found myself working to the point of exhaustion that I wasn't even able to lend myself appropriately to use those groups as resources. I'm, if I'm working from, you know, getting in the office a couple hours early just to set myself up for success during for my day mm-hmm. and then staying several hours afterwards, I'm tapped out energetically. Um, and so where is the room for me to be able to participate um, as a level-headed professional in these in, in these organizations, so those things are not even talked about or considered. Right. Um, like, well, we have the affinity group, so why don't you do that to get the support that you need? Not even taking into consideration all the mental exhaustion that you have to 
trudge through mm-hmm. and be able to make it so that you're mentally available to be a part of those kind of supportive networks. So that's one thing. But I think that those organizations really are there to, to provide that. Well, you know, one of the things that I thought of while you were saying that is, you know, there's been such emphasis recently on diversity and inclusion um, in the workplace. And we know that that's in direct response to what's happening in our country as we have this national conversation about race, systemic racism, oppression, you know, all of these, you know, top line issues. And yet there's something that I have been thinking about, which is this idea of the belonging piece to Mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion work. You know, Mm -hmm. I understand that you have to start at the beginning. And so everyone wants to start with the diversity piece. And I get that. But I Mm -hmm. always am um, eager to hear people really understand the belonging piece of Mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion, because it's not enough to bring black and brown people into your environment if they don't feel like they belong. And if you haven't created a culture in which they feel both celebrated and supported and integrated into the real fabric of the company. And so as someone who's, you know, thinking about DNI and really understanding, um, sort of how that fits into the corporate landscape. What are some of the ways that you think um, companies can respond to this ask for accountability? Because they are really being asked in a way that they haven't been before to be transparent, to be honest, and to be accountable to their, quote, commitment to diversity. What are some of the ways that you think companies can really respond to this? I think, you know, definitely providing some necessary tools so that the, that their constituents can be formally educated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's, that's a good starting point for people to be able to take the time to educate themselves about um, systemic racism and about how that really plays out in a real way for many of their colleagues um, that fall into those, um, those specific groups. Right. And so I think it's really it's starting from there is, is, is creating that space, creating a space that that it has empathy and compassion for what individuals have been experiencing ongoing that has gone unnoticed. Yeah. There has been zero awareness um, for many people um, that these these things are happening. So um, just bringing bringing that bringing that in first is a, is a starting point. Um, and then really um, understanding that silence for, you know, for our non, uh, you know, for our allies is, is not an option anymore. Yeah. That, that's that's a, a tone of, of complicity. And we're, we're not in a, in a place to be able to continue to condone that kind of behavior and that kind of silence um, and really putting um, some action around how, you know, how, if we're, if we're, if we're saying that we are going to do this work, what are the actionable uh, steps that we're going to take for this to materialize and for this to become a part of our new culture? Absolutely. Absolutely. I so respond to that because I think in some of the conversations that I've had with different entities around the country, you know, I feel privileged that people call me to ask my opinion about how they can sort of navigate this time. And that has been the thing that I go back to again and again, which is you have to create 
actionable steps that your company can hold you accountable to. Mm-hmm. There, this cannot be a place of ideology and sentiment, you know, And I I remember I shared something like that on LinkedIn, which is like, don't hide behind your statement of like, we're committed to like doing better. It's like, that's a great thing to say. And I hope that it's true, but like, that's not actionable. And that's not something that's going to actually change the work experience for your black and brown employees. So now is the time to really think through what are some actionable steps that we are going to take? And even if that step is like, we commit to education around anti-racism, like that's actionable. That is something that you can commit to, that you can do that says that like, we may not have a budget to do this the way that we want to do it, but like we're starting here. And that's something that you guys can hold us accountable to so that we can um, be in this work together. Exactly. I 100% agree with that. You know, I agree with the staging of pledges and the casting of banners of solidarity, that this is a performative act unless there's action. It's an performative act. And, you know, we've seen bits and pieces of this, bits and pieces of this with uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives in the past. And so Mm -hmm. now it's time for us to really get to the point where we move beyond those steps. Um, If they haven't been working, then we need to um, reconsider our steps and take some pathways moving forward. And we need to treat this like a performance review. Yes. Uh, We need to treat this like a performance review. If if you've ever heard about that term, there are specific tracked and measured steps and goals every step of the way. It's very serious. There's a lot of steps in that process and it's documented. Mm -hmm. And so there's a track record for the success or failure of that. Well, and I think one of the things that is key about that idea of, you know, um, the transparency behind the work that's being done and then holding that work accountable, what I think is what I think is really impactful about that is that in inherently corporations are set up to do this kind of review, right? Like you have to treat it the same way you would treat every other part of the business. You don't let any part of your business continue to run that is not profitable or that is not serving the business. And so you can look at diversity and inclusion work as a part of that, right? Because I think that one of the things that can be, um, um, unfortunate, it's an unfortunate byproduct that sometimes companies adopt diversity work as sort of their like, it's the right thing to do, which is like Mm -hmm. not wrong. But I also think that people don't understand that it actually positively impacts business, right? (laughs) Like, like it impacts business. It will help you become a better company. You will have a better product. You will be more profitable if you actually look at integrating diversity as an actual business strategy. Exactly. I mean, studies time and time again sir, show that when you have a more diverse um, um, work staff, that you have a higher level of innovation that comes yep. from all of those different minds coming together and thinking through and strategizing and problem solving. Mm-hmm. Well, when you think about it that way, when you embrace those same individuals that are a part of that diversity footprint, then you empower them to share even more of their gifts with your company. And that's profitable for you. So if you're thinking about this, even from a traditional revenue standpoint, 
this is this is green dollars for you. Exactly. And I think that that is something that companies should not shy away from because I know that, or not that I know, but I get this sense that, you know, oftentimes companies feel very uncomfortable talking about the fact that like, I don't know how to really care about this issue, right? And they, they don't inherently have a point of reference that makes them care about this in a way that uh, an actual black or brown employee would care about it. And so they they know that there's sort of communal pressure to be doing the work, but it's hard to do work that you don't care about. It's hard to do work that you don't understand. And so I think it's okay for businesses to say like, talk to me about it in dollars and cents. Like, how does this impact my business? Like, if that is the doorway into doing diversity and inclusion work, I'm okay with that. Because the minute you start doing the work, it just makes life better for your Black and Brown employees. Right. I absolutely agree. And it helps uh, Black and Brown professionals to know their, to really understand their value. They have current as much as any other employee within that space. And their value, their their contributions are just as much value. Their voice is just as much value. They have share a voice. Yeah. And to honor that in this way is really important. I mean, it. they'll see. They'll see in, with the numbers. We live in a system that's driven by data. Yeah. The data will reveal this story. It's it's going to come through. Well, and the, the thing that I think is really... Um, interesting about the moment in time that we're in. And again, this was part of a conversation that I was having on LinkedIn because, you know, with the murder of George Floyd, you know, it was a match that was struck in our country. And for Black and Brown people, Black people specifically, this was not new, right? We, we know that this is continuing to happen across the country. Every single day, instances like this happen, but there was something, there was some sort of like cosmic alignment that there was a collective interest in seeing justice for this particular issue. But what it really very quickly shone the light on is that companies were not prepared to talk about race they really were not prepared to be held accountable and to be transparent about their hiring practices, about their compensation practices. And a lot of industries, I think, were taken off guard by that. And I remember saying to someone on LinkedIn, it's like, if you have no black or brown people in your company that can even speak to this issue, you're already behind the ball. Right. Like the idea that you have a company of a certain size of a certain revenue that has no black or brown people sitting in your C-suite, sitting in positions of leadership, to me is just unfathomable and unacceptable. And yet it is absolutely the norm. And so from your perspective, how did you how did you feel about sort of that initial response from companies? Because I felt like it was delayed and it felt very sort of like pat. <laughs> right. It felt like a, I want to use the, the right word and the right, the right language, but it, it felt like lip service. Yeah. It felt like, 
um, an audio recording that they recorded years ago. And then they just said, oh, let's just press play now. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, it's that time. Let's just press play now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, we recorded that story a while back. Okay, let's just press play now. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me, just having worked in those environments and knowing what kinds of resources there are already set up to to have on demand that they can just replay. And that's what it's, that's what it's felt like. I mean, I'm not in those same corporate environments now, so I can't speak to what they are doing to really address this national crisis. Mm -hmm. But I know for sure that that would be an easy method for them to recall. Yeah. And I think I totally agree. And I think that there was a sterile nature to the messaging that came out that felt very much like we checked that box and this is our official statement. And no one can say that we are a racist company because we, we, we said, we said that we are, you know, with you in this moment. And yet there was a pushback. And I think that this is the thing that I have found most exciting about this moment, which is that I'm watching black and brown workers assume a level of empowerment to say, that's just not good enough. You know, Mm -hmm. that, 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 that which used to be acceptable and okay is not good enough. You can't just sort of like give us your patent answer and then not show us that 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 actually means something to you in how you run your business and how you treat your employees and how you foster a, a community. When you look at this moment that we're in, is there anything that you find particularly sort of like exciting or important about this moment that we're in? Because it feels like there's so much happening. From mm-hmm. your perspective, is there anything that's particularly important about this time? I think for me, it's it's seeing, you know, my my mother is is from the South. She grew up in Florida. She grew up in the late or mid 50s and 60s. She was a child. Everyone in her community that she knew, the store owners, Um, the educators in her school when she was a a child, um, her her cleaners, whoever was in her her town during that time when she was growing up was a Black person who had some capital within their community. Mm -hmm. And what I'm seeing now and what I'm feeling now and gathering from a lot of Black professionals, this is outside of that, the context of that story, is that we're coming we're we're coming together with some of our shared experiences and understanding the power of what of what it means to use that as fuel and agency. Yeah. So that's what that's what excites me is the fact that we can say, you know, you grew up on, you know, you grew up in Michigan or you grew up in California, you grew up in the South, but we can come together and have some some common conversations and rally together to make sure that our collective voices are heard. And so that we're creating a pattern that says to other other colleagues who are younger than us, who are new to the industry, we don't have to stand for this. Um, We don't have to continue to have a tolerance and appetite for this kind of behavior being um, conducted in the workplace. 100%. It's so interesting because there was so much of what you said that I absolutely, res- that, that resonates with me. The first thing is, is that I do think 
that one of the things that's going to be an important byproduct of this moment is the um, is the understanding of personal agency mm-hmm. that that black and brown people are are going to understand that wanting a seat at the quote table may not be the best manifestation of your skills and of your talents. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's not about asking to be having a seat at that table, but building your own table and investing your resources and your dollars into work and business and communities that support the best representation of what it means to be a diverse community. Because I'm not necessarily advocating for separation, but what I am Mm -hmm. saying is Mm -hmm. that if the system is broken, you can invest your time and your energy into fixing this broken system, or you can go and create something that is a truer reflection of what it means to be a part of a global community, a diverse community, a community that um, both respects and celebrates, you know, talent, skills, no matter the body that it's held in. And then the other thing that you said that I think is just spot on, and it's the reason why it resonates with me is because this is something that I am particularly excited about in this moment. I am so excited for younger people who are just entering the business space that we may be able to change the trajectory of this so that they don't have to accept the bare minimum as a career. Right, exactly. that that they can actually both aspire to and achieve the highest heights of what they want for their career, and I think that we can pivot this thing in in real time so that they can have access to something bigger. Exactly, I think that that's that you hit the nail you hit the nail on the head with that response. I I'm really delighted, and I'm actually delighted to see how young people themselves are responding. Yeah. You know, thinking, you know, Gen Z is, has not quite uh, matured into the workplace um, necessarily. Some of them have, they're, they're in their, you know, their 20s or early 20s. But what I'm seeing is, and I'm recognizing is that they, they recognize their own power. Mm-hmm. Power. They embrace their power in a way that I think past generations and even current generations may not have, uh, realize. And I can, I, to me, I'm it, like, I, I see my younger cousins. I see younger people in my life and they are unapologetic. Yes. <laughs> the way they channel their power. And that just like electrifies me. I'm I have so, to tell you, I so agree with you. I have had some conversations with some 20, 21, 22 year olds where I'm like, you are teaching me like they are bold. They're unapologetic. They, they're not interested in the world consuming them and okaying them. There's a boldness to them that I'm just like, wow, I have not seen that at that scale before. And it's really exciting because I think, you know, selfishly, I think we can take some of the credit to say like, look what we have fostered in this, Mm -hmm. in this younger generation. Like we kept telling them, you don't have to accept just anything. You can be whoever you want to be. You can have whatever you, and they believed us. And so now they're demanding it, which I'm just like, I will stand behind you all and be a cheerleader. Cause I think they're going to be the ones to just like completely tear this whole system down and rebuild it. 
I 100% agree. I know they're incredibly industrious, innovative, bold. Um, they are a, a generation of that has so much to offer and they're just starting. Yeah. You know, like when you ignite that fire and the first couple of flames start to start to pop up, that's what they are. And I, I love seeing that. It just makes me so excited. Um, and you know, the fact that, that we've, that we've, um, helped to foster some of that. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing for me to think about because I always know that if we're doing this humanity thing, right, each generation should get better. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you mentioned your mother before and the same way, you know, I think about my mom who grew up on the islands of South Carolina, you know, Mm -hmm. grew up in a rural community where everyone was truly black. Um, And so knew that her way out of that was absolutely education. That was the thing that Mm -hmm. she, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think this is, the narrative for most African-Americans, which is that education was the gateway to have access to something better than what you had before. She was adamant that she would get an education. She was adamant that her children would get an education. And so each generation is coming closer and closer to this idea of real autonomy and real sort of like full agency. But I think that this next generation coming up, they both have all of that to start with, but they also just have this sort of like screw it mentality. Like I'm just going to say it and I don't care if you like it. Like they are, there's a boldness about them that I think is to be encouraged. Like, I think it's one of those things where we just kind of need to just step out of the way and cheer them on because they're teaching me some things for sure. I, 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 I echo that because I'm definitely learning. I mean, my, one of my close family, family friends, um, she has a son. He just completed his MBA and his business degree in one, one swoop and he's 22. Yeah. Um, and so he's starting from that vantage, um, mm-hmm. entering, is entering the business world. And he says, you know, I might try that, but actually I'm already thinking about how I'm creating my own company. 100%. And it's, and it's funny because their starting off point was the thing that we were, that our parents were trying to achieve as the pinnacle, right? Mm-hmm. Like to get the degree was the pinnacle. And mm-hmm. now this is their starting point, right? Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful to see like, what is their pinnacle? If they're starting with like MBA, you know, Ivy League educated, mm-hmm. like access to a plethora of education and, and information, like what are they going to do with all of that? Plus this intense sense of agency and, 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 you know, empowerment is like a beautiful thing to see because, you know, you kind of alluded to it, but it's interesting because I think that their youth and the, the, the fact that they haven't lived a lot of life is actually working to their advantage in this moment because I, I think a lot of people would agree that the longer you live your life and the more experiences you go through, you can feel yourself being muted by some of those experiences. Mm -hmm. There's a level, I I remember I was having this conversation with someone the other day and I was like, I remember being much more bold 
<laughs> you know, when I was 21. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that was just like being naive, like, mm-hmm. but you, you live life and you go through instances and you're like, I didn't realize that people could be this mean, or I didn't realize that people could be this nasty, or I didn't realize that like a whole system would work against you. And so that the impact of that mutes your voice in a way that like, if you, with the absence of that, there's a little bit more freedom to just sort of attack these situations and this conversation in a way that's really, really beautiful to see. Yeah. I mean, Gen Z is the game changer generation. For sure. I mean, that's, I'm giving them that, that title, that accolade, because I really believe that about them. Yeah. Well, from from all of the stuff that you are currently researching, I know you're doing so much research um, about sort of like the diversity inclusion piece, and you're doing a lot of research about the Black and Brown experience um, in corporate America. Is there anything that you can share with us right now that you are really thinking about um, or you think that it's something that maybe our audience can take away and be like, this is something that you should be looking into, maybe reading more about or spending some time learning more about? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's it's been, you know, and I, I say this from, from, you know, a point of thoughtfulness, but I, for me, it's been leaning into my mental health because I feel like this whole um experience that we're going through right now, this movement has unearthed a lot of sensitivities, a lot of triggers. So I think, you know, just reiterating the fact that mental health and self-care is really important right now. Be gentle with yourself um, as you're you're going, as you're digging into your own um, experiences, as you are um, being uh, an advocate or an, uh, you know confidant to other peers that may have experience, had different experiences from you because I never want to lump the black experience into one homogenous category yeah. um, that is that doesn't make any sense at all because our our experiences are very diverse yeah um, and so really honoring that. I think is something that I'm 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 learning to do and that I really encourage others to do. Um, and if you feel confident in speaking, do that work. Speak. Um, if you feel like you do what you feel is going to be in the best interest of you using your power in your agency. That's what I say is 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 whatever that means to you, bring that forward. I love that. I love that because something we talk about a lot here on the podcast is this idea of being authentic. And Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that I'm taking from what you said is that, and I've heard this from others on this platform, which is the Black experience is not monolithic and neither is the movement. Mm -hmm. And so it is important for you to find how you authentically fit in this current world of change, right? And to your point, if that's speaking out, we celebrate that, we wanna amplify your voice. If that's, you know, doing the work of building affinity groups within your company, we celebrate that, we wanna amplify that. If that's just being a safe space for other black and brown people in your company to have conversations with informally, like we celebrate that and we wanna amplify that. It's about finding what makes sense for you. I completely agree with that. Kaylin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so appreciative. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I've really enjoyed having this conversation with you. 
Um, you're such a great host. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more of the conversations that you have moving forward. This is such an incredible platform that helps to bring together voices, unique voices on topics that are so timely and important to discuss. Thank you so much. I, it's been such a pleasure. And you have um, been sort of the epitome of what we designed this platform to be, which is a place where we could have conversations that make us think and feel things a little bit more deeply. If nothing else, it gives you a moment of pause in the middle of your day. And I hope that you have taken away from this conversation um, so many things, but I'll tell you what I took away from this, that it is so important to stay connected with people within your community. And whatever that community is, now more than ever, we have to rally around this idea of lifting each other up. I absolutely agree with Kaylin that um, to take care of yourself in this is is also a part of the work that needs to be done so that you can continue to do this for a long time because this is marathon work. This isn't a sprint. And so I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Thank you all so, so much for listening. And I can't wait to come back with another amazing voice. Have a great day, you guys. Bye.